I love that hymn. And I love that you all use the maracas and the tambourines and all of that. That's excellent. Well done, choir. Uh, this Last week, I challenged you all uh, not just to look for the helpers in a difficult time in the life of our community, but also to go out and to be the helpers. As Christians, that is our call, is to go out and be the helpers. Um, so this morning, for our Witnessing God at Work, I just want to pose the question to you all. Where have you seen the helpers this week? Where have you seen hope? Where have you seen light of God's love in the world around us? At a time when everyone's talking about what's wrong, what have you seen right this week? Amen. Yeah. One bad man, thousands of good people. To see the way that the community um, in Squirrel Hill and all around the city and the county have come together is just incredible. I also saw an article that talked about how um, Pittsburgh's reaction to what happened is um, one of such solidarity that you don't, you know, you see that happen after these things, but Pittsburgh has really done it big. Gene. Mm-hmm. Uh, gave a great sum of money for the funeral expenses of those people. Well, they were the first ones to give a great sum mm-hmm. of money. Yeah, the um, the uh, Islamic Center of Pittsburgh raised over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to help cover funeral and um, related costs for the, the families that were that were affected. That was incredible and moving. Yes. What about what happened in Florida? I heard just a little tiny bit of something. The the yoga studio. week is just incredible. Well, I went to the same mm-hmm. service that you did over at the um, Soldiers and Sailors, and it was just amazing how many people were there and standing outside, over 4,000 <coughs> Yeah. Mark? Uh, also, too, I, I thought about the little kid that uh, took cookies to the police station, and everybody else started you know, sending flowers and donations, and now and the wall. I see there's a big cooking table out there out of that Scroyal police station. <laughs> Excellent, I hadn't seen that. So many, they've sent, people have sent so many things, canned goods and things, to that station, I think. They have a wall with all the letters and everything, but they said, send it somewhere else where it's in need, like to the food pantries and stuff, because they have gotten so much food they can't take it all in. Wow. The crooks are trying to break into the police station to get the goodies. Just to get the goodies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Then nobody's in the police station. <laughs> They're all out trying to make it themselves. Yeah, Nancy. I 
Absolutely. Yeah, Mirta. I still hope when I saw in the news with the FBI can finally track this guy who was delivering these bombs. I mean, that was very scary. Yeah. yeah. So, because since they're running around, you know he's going to be hit from, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of unsettling violence in our in our country in the past couple couple of weeks and there is is hope in seeing that people come together to try to um, stop that from happening to find the folks who are, are doing these things and to prevent them from doing further harm Sometimes we can very, very really feel the, the words of scripture that say all of creation cries out, <laughs> the cry of lament, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyone else? Where have you seen the helpers this week? Yeah, Sue. Um, even though my surgery was in July, I still get calls from members of this congregation asking if I need help and what I could use, and I do appreciate that. It's important for us to remember that there are big worldwide and community-wide struggles, um, but we still have individuals around us that uh, it's important to remind them that they are loved. Friends, I appreciate your sharing. I think it's important for us at these times to remember um, to point not only to the things we need to fix, but to the things that we are doing well the things that we are doing right. Um, Because that's how we're going to get through to the next day, is by remembering that as as dark as it seems, there is still light. God's light is still shining in the world around us, and we can see that in all um, different places. So thank you, friends. Let us pray. Lord God, may your word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The first scripture reading today is from 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 20 through 22. Then Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clans, and the clan of the Matrites was taken by Lot. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken by Lot. 
But when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, Is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. The next reading is Isaiah chapter 8, verses 11 through 12. For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me, and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary, and a stone of offense, and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Bind up the testimony. Seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob and I will hope in him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts, who dwells on Mount Zion. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? to the teaching and to the testimony. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. This is the word of the Lord. The next reading is from the book of John, chapter 3, verses 16 through 20. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. And from 1 John chapter 4, 15 through 21, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, 
God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is the word of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Those of you who were paying attention to your bulletins noticed that I snuck in an extra scripture passage this morning. You all get bonus points for that. <laughs> well, here in Pittsburgh, the violence at the front of our minds is the terrible tragedy at the Tree of Life Synagogue last Saturday. That incident didn't stand alone as the only targeted violence in recent weeks. Two people were shot in Kentucky because of their race. Just Friday evening, a man walked into a yoga studio killing two people and injuring 14 more. And just as the shooter in Pittsburgh had made terrible anti-Semitic statements online, the yoga studio shooter was specifically targeting women. The man who shot two people at a grocery store in Kentucky made racist comments to other people at the scene and was clearly targeting specific people. Now, I said last week that the answer to the troubling violence we are seeing in our country and that we continue to see is love. The way to overcome divisive hate is at the heart of things to overwhelm it with unifying love. This week's passage, which I'd chosen several weeks before any of this happened, seems to fit perfectly in continuing that exploration. There's a great deal of fear in the public eye right now, but there's also a great deal of love in the public eye right now. And that's encouraging, because 1 John says, perfect love casts out fear. Now, I can obviously only speak for myself, but when I hear that phrase, perfect love casts out fear, it makes me reflect on how imperfect my love must be, because I have a lot of fear. Heck, love itself is terrifying. It's not even just the idea of love being strong enough to push out fear that is difficult to grapple with. It's scary to love. Love means risking loss or hurt or betrayal. It feels safer to just not love. Love is hard. 
It's hard enough to really love the people for whom love is supposed to come naturally, our children, our spouses, our parents, let alone everyone else in this crazy world. And when we're in a time of trauma, like our city is feeling this past week, it's really hard to love everyone. There is a bad guy. There are people who disagree with us on how to fix the problem. There are internet trolls and angry people. Last week, we visited the ancient story of Cain and Abel, brothers, one a murderer and the other his victim. Clearly not a story filled with love, in spite of the fact that these two are brothers. Cain struggled to love even his own biological brother. But this week, John tells us in no uncertain terms that we can't love God without loving one another. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Hard to let that sink in, isn't it? If you can't manage to love the people around you, you've missed the mark on loving God, too. But loving others is scary, especially if others are different in some way. And what if we don't get it right? What if we don't love them enough or in the right way? What if our love is not perfect love? This passage in John, uh, in 1 John, sets up two polar opposites, fear and and love. God is love, and fear is the opposite of love. Usually we think of hate as the opposite of love, but John says the opposite of love is fear, not hate. Hate is really just a side effect of fear. Fear of the other, fear of being hurt, fear of the different or of the unknown. It's interesting that we're in the midst of this sermon series on fulfilling our calling and getting rid of our baggage at one of the most important times in our lives to be living out our call as Christians. This is a time where everyone's baggage is showing because we're all feeling really vulnerable. The world needs the gospel message of love more than ever when tragedy strikes. But when tragedy strikes is the hardest time to get that message out. We're not all doing it perfectly right now. I can promise you that. This poor, beaten-up city is acting all kinds of ways because of our raw, up-and-down, strong emotions. It's a minefield out there, friends. It is an emotional minefield. It's bad enough when a mass tragedy hits another place, but here, in Pittsburgh, our home, every time I hear the word Pittsburgh on the radio, it makes me tear up all over again. Spent so much time and energy this week trying to edit and filter and preach the gospel message in a dark and difficult time, and it is emotionally exhausting. I know I'm not the only one who is feeling that. And one of the things I've personally been trying to process is why Robert Bowers did what he did last Saturday. Why did what happened last Saturday happen? One thing that has been noted is that he was, as one article states, pretty much a ghost he seemed to have no voice in the world. So he sought out a forum in which he could be heard, an online platform where he could communicate with other white supremacists and shout his fear turned hate without anyone challenging the things he was saying. He was looking for a place in which he could express his fear of the different to others who would acknowledge and affirm that fear. When people don't feel heard, there's a fear of being forgotten of being left behind, of not mattering. 
While we might never really know what all went into one man's decision to enter a synagogue on October 27th and kill 11 dear souls, this much we know. He was looking for some way to be heard. He was trying to find an outlet for what he had to say. Surely there was a fear of not being heard that went into what he did. And he succeeded in being heard. His name will live long in infamy. The story of the man who opened fire at the yoga studio is hauntingly similar. An article from the Post-Gazette this week featured a Jewish doctor who was married at and whose children's bat and bar mitzvahs were held at the Tree of Life Synagogue. Dr. Cohen is the director of Allegheny General Hospital, and he was moved to meet and to talk to Bowers on Saturday when he was brought into the hospital. And from that article, while not excusing Mr. Bowers, Dr. Cohen said, here's someone all alone, and all he hears is the noise in his head all the time. He was afraid of the other, and at the same time, he was afraid to remain unheard. And yet, John says, perfect love casts out fear. So what is that perfect love that casts out fear? What does it look like? How do we love in ways that casts out fear? What does it take to eradicate the sort of fear that leads someone to such violence? What is the love that people committing these atrocities are missing? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the perfect love, the love of Christ. Perfect love is love that came into this imperfect, fear-filled world and sacrificed itself for our sake. This perfect love didn't just come for the popular or the whole or the big or the mighty. It didn't just come for those who the world pays attention to or the ones who have their act together. This perfect love didn't just come for the lovable or the safe or the easy ones to love. Christ came for everyone, the entire world, every single person out there is worthy of that love and acceptance. Every single person out there is worthy of that love and acceptance. It is love that acts not out of obligation, not out of some sense of duty or piety, but out of acknowledgement of the great love that God showed us. We are able to and indeed called to love others no matter the risk, because God loved us with no worry about the risk. We have seen sacrificial, risky love acted out in many ways this week. We have seen it in Rabbi Myers protecting his congregation and literally risking his life to usher as many of his congregants as possible to safety. We saw it in the first responders who rushed into what had essentially become a war zone in order to apprehend the shooter and secure the building. We saw it last Sunday evening when thousands of people from so many different faith backgrounds showed up in Oakland to mourn with the community. We saw it when the local Muslim community raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for the families of the victims. We saw it Friday morning 
as Reverend Eric Manning, the pastor of Emmanuel American Methodist Episcopal Church of Charleston, South Carolina, wordlessly hugged Rabbi Jeffrey Myers because nobody else quite understands what their congregations have been through. We saw it when Reverend Manning was asked to speak at the last of the 11 funerals for the Pittsburgh victims. We saw it Friday evening and Saturday morning as Christians and Muslims and atheists and everyone else and people of all different backgrounds joined their Jewish sisters and brothers in celebrating Shabbat. The interfaith community has banded together stronger than ever. People have flocked to donate blood and funds, to stand shoulder to shoulder with their Jewish friends and neighbors. Conversations are opening up all over the place about how we can be peacemakers, how we can be bearers of love in the world. Nobody I know felt like they were obligated to do any of these things. They did it out of love. They did it because they wanted to, not because they had to. Love isn't a burden. Love isn't something to fear. Love is a freedom given to us by our new identity as the body of Christ. God so loved the world that God sent Jesus in an unrivaled act of love so that we are free to live in the light of love and share that love with the world around us. Love is the freedom from fear and separation and being unheard. Love is the freedom from division and isolation. Love joins us together gives us a voice, gives us a safe place to be with God and with one another. How fitting that we are celebrating communion this morning. We join together at this table today to celebrate that love shown to us in Jesus Christ and our commitment to live lives of love together and to celebrate our unity. We live in love, not as something we have to do, but as something we get to do. One of my commentaries this week said, believing and loving are the marks of the new creature, the one who is born anew in Christ. Yes, dear brothers and sisters, our love is going to be imperfect. It's going to be hard to live out. It won't always be clear what the most loving thing to do is. We will feel afraid sometimes. That's okay, don't let that stop you. We still go forth and act in love, even when we know we're going to miss the mark sometimes. As imperfect as we are when we act out of God's love, we still, in that act, let loose God's love in the world to be known by others. When we come together and eat and drink at this table before us this morning, we proclaim joyfully together to the world the love that conquers all. Oh.